Welcome to the Association Corner, a podcast series focusing on insights and trends for association professionals by association professionals. Hi there, and welcome to the Association Corner, the podcast for association professionals. I'm Jessica Richardson, Multiviews Director of Partnership Marketing, and today we have a topic that's sure to be on everyone's radar in the future, data hygiene. During the discussion, we'll learn what data hygiene is and what associations need to do to manage it within their organization. Today, I have Brittany Carter, president of president and CEO, excuse me, of Association Trends and CEO Update, and the founder of their data hygiene tool, Bumblebee Data. Brittany, thank you for joining us. I'm very excited for this. Hi, uh, thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to to the discussion. I always love talking about dirty data and how to fix it. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. So I've read that over half of association professionals consider investing in business intelligence and data analytics is a top priority, but only one third would rate their organization's data as excellent or very good. Even for me on the vendor side of the industry, I think data cleansing and data cleanup can seem like a very daunting task so how can associations know if and when it's something worth investing in and what actually is dirty data or bad data? Yeah, so it's actually a really great point and one of the main drivers behind we why we created Bumblebee in the first place. So about five years ago, we had been doing a bit of a listening tour with some associations at our event AMS Fest <clears throat> and associations kept saying, you know, they were seriously concerned about their data quality and accuracy, while at the same time, they were literally sitting at an event, right, shopping for a new AMS, which was going to cost them tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, yet they were still doing this manual data cleanup and they weren't investing um, in data hygiene. And when you think about it, that's pretty wild, right, that you're going to make this huge investment. You know you have bad data. It's part of the reason why you're moving systems. But there was no real focus or resources um, to take on that that data hygiene. And, you know, what's even wilder that I've learned kind of since then is, you know, last year we cleaned about four million association records. And when wow. we looked at the av average duplication rate, it was 32 percent. So um, it's a real problem. And I don't think that people, you know, are really fully grasping how serious it is. And and I think part of the problem is it's pretty daunting and it's not as sexy as like data hygiene is going to be or, you know, uh, or excuse me, uh, data analytics is going to be or getting a new system. But when you kind of step back and think about it, data is at the core of everything you do um, in your organization, but people don't always know where to start because it can be overwhelming. It's, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around. So many mm -hmm. people in your organization are using, relying, or touching your data, right? That can be your membership department, your finance right. team, IT, leadership. It's kind of everywhere, right? So simply put, you know, data hygiene is the regular cleaning, updating, and maintaining of your data. And you can kind of think of it as preventative medicine for the brain of your organization. That's a good analogy. So how how do you recommend people get started? Um, you know, what we kind of 
encourage people to do is to, um, you know, think about a few kind of key things when you're, when you're thinking about a project and, and how to get started. Um, you know, one of those is what is your database of record? How big is it? Um, how easily are we able to access and modify the data that we have? Who all has the ability to update and modify data within your organization? Um, and that's going to include all of your departments and integrations. Um, what fields can give you insight into the recency of how your data and your transactions are uh, happening and, and when they're happening? Um, when you do find duplicates, how do you want to handle the merge process? And what is your plan for what to do when you do find bad data, if it's an email address or a mailing address? And then kind of lastly, you know, can we and are we willing to archive records that are inactive or known to be incorrect? That's a that's a good point. So what do you think are the top reasons to regular regularly clean your data? And and why would an association want why is this important for them? You know, like if they don't know the importance of it already, what would you tell them? Sure. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons to do it and a lot of motivations, you know, behind why you should. I mean, I I think, you know, while while it's not carrying its own expense line, you know, it's pretty costly when you start to think about it, both for, you know, your your hypothetical financial repercussions of it. Right. If you're doing a mailing and you're sending it to Sally three times and then another two times to old addresses where she used to be. Right. right. That's mm-hmm. a situation where you're just racking up unnecessary costs um, from something like a direct mail. Uh, you also have scenarios where it's it's funny. I was I was on a, a, a reading an article and someone was talking about how they are switching to a new IMS and they're going to be over their storage limits when they move. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, you you probably are sitting on a fair amount of data that's old and outdated. Try to clean up your data and worry less about the storage problem because you're not going to have a storage limits problem if you have, you know, only clean data, updated data in your system. So, right. so there's kind of those like specific cost things that you're dealing with. But, you know, also, and I think this is almost more important than the financial impact is your reputational issues, right? that's really going to diminish your member satisfaction. It's going to make them feel like you don't care if you're, you know, sending them incorrect information or duplicate information, right? So it's, it's a reputational user experience issue that I think people should take pretty seriously. You know, and then you, of course, have things like if you're using data analytics and you're using that for reporting, or maybe you're turning around and using that reporting for your board, or, you know, in the case of, you know, like with you guys, you produce, right, newsletters. Right. If you're telling your advertisers, like, these are our rates, um, our open rates, our engagement rates, those can be pretty distorted uh, if you're not using proper data. And, you know, with, you know, open rates, for example, you're actually, even though people get scared, like, oh, I don't want to clean up my list because then it's going to be smaller, but the bottom line is actually it's going to be better because your engagement rates are going to be higher because you're working with a functional list. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people, <laughs> you know, they get nervous of like, well, if we clean my data, we're going to, our, our lists are going to be smaller. And it's like, 
well, yeah, your lists are going to be smaller, but they're going to be better and they're going to be more high performing and more functional. Um, you know, so, so those are important to, things to think about. I, you, you mentioned it. I, my mind immediately went to the newsletter side of, of the business and, you know, on, on associations we're sending out on their behalf and the data analytics that they receive just from the communication piece, you know, paying attention to that high bounce rate. If that's a sign that you need to look at your subscriber list is why isn't that person getting the newsletter? Um, so just like you said, it to help increase engagement. Um, exactly. If, if you take time to go through on a regular cadence and, and clean that list, you're ultimately going to increase everything for the better, not only for your side, but the advertisers as well mm -hmm. um, and for your members. So exactly. with that, how often should you clean your data and ask the questions that you mentioned earlier? Sure. So, um, you know, I kind of like to make this joke that cleaning your data is a lot like running a marathon. Um, takes time to train for. Sometimes it's pretty boring, but when you're finished, it gives you a really good sense of accomplishment. And I feel like, like I've said, can say that because I've done both of them, although I probably should stop telling that story because after I ran my first marathon, I never did it again. <laughs> um, but the point being is that it, it takes a level of discipline, right? And that, and, and it's not a, a one and done type of thing, right? So mm -hmm. there's really, no such thing as perfect data because by its nature, data is changing constantly, right? Like, so that right. drives me up a wall when I hear people say like, oh, I have perfect data. You know, either you're doing something magical or like you're not aware of your data situation, right? It's it's right. constantly changing. Um, so, but what we recommend is um, doing an overall cleaning. And that means like looking at your full data set um, across the board, wherever you're keeping it, if it's in your AMS or somewhere else, once a quarter. Any more than that, you're going to kind of just, it's it's a lot to take on if you're trying to do it all the time. So what I say is every quarter, a holistic look. And then in between those quarters, you should, of course, be doing manual review, um, looking at it um, as you know, kind of on an ad hoc basis, as things are coming in, you're making corrections kind of in the moment, a member calls you, you of course correct their information. Um, and then during that time, you should also be improving your data governance policies, how data is getting into the systems, are there fields that you can make standardized? So really kind of taking a holistic approach every quarter and then having those other steps taking place in between. And then I also tell people, in addition to that, like from just like a general cadence rule of thumb, if you have like a major event where you're, let's say you're moving to a new AMS or, um, you know, you have a, a very large annual conference, like these are opportunities where you should also be making sure that you're really cleaning your data. Like, please, if you are considering investing a new AMS, please, please, please make some effort, any effort, some effort to clean your data before you move it into your shiny, new, beautiful, likely not inexpensive system, right? You want to go right. in with your best foot forward. This may be a, a dumb question. I, I mean, I can think of a couple um, in my head now, and, and you mentioned a few in your comments earlier, but what 
are some examples of dirty data and how would you clean them from your system? Sure. Um, so, you know, like you said, it's, it's not super complicated, right? Like it's simple and it's, and it's, you know, um, foundation, but you know, you have your, your basics, uh, when you're thinking about cleaning up data, you should think about standardization first. And I think that's the best way to kind of tidy up your data house um, before you can do anything like really fundamentally impactful. So that's going to be doing things um, like case formatting. So, you know, a lot of times what we see with standardization issues are going to be exacerbated by having multiple data sources. So you've got somebody from your events team loading in a list of attendees from something. You have your members filling out web forms and creating duplicate accounts because they can't remember your pass pa their password. Then you have um, someone gave your marketing department a lead list and they uploaded it. And then the finance department is making changes, right? There's all these different sources coming in, which can lead to some standardization issues like case, right? So case, we mean very simply, are you a database that operates in total uppercase, proper case, um, or all lowercase, right? It's going to depend on your organization. So those mm -hmm. are things that, you know, automated systems like ours fix, but also you can fix in mass in like Excel formulas, <laughs> you know, so there's really easy ways to address it. Um, right. Formatting things like phone numbers or the way that states are notated. We see this a lot, like PA versus Pennsylvania. So standardizing all of that because maybe one lead form has it one way and one has another and your system doesn't have any controls on the standards. So mm -hmm. you have things like standardization. Um, then of course you have just old or outdated data that's no longer valid. And that can be anything from like an undeliverable postal address, you know, a bad email, an email that's become a spam trap, phone numbers that are no longer registered. And even in, you know, some cases, and this is something, uh, a data point that that we um, use sometimes is de our de actual death record. So like if a individual has passed away and we have that notated. So there, there can be a range of these kind of outdated or old records. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like the big daddy of them all, the biggest offender, uh, especially in the association space, but it's not unique to, to just this space, are duplicate records. Uh, big, big problem in the space. <laughs> I can only imagine the amount of dead phone numbers that people have, especially because people are getting, I mean, they no longer have landlines. And yeah, they're not just giving away their cell phone numbers anymore these days because of all the right. spam calls that they're getting. So right, well, and I, I mean, I tell people all the time too. Um, COVID has really altered people's like where they're working from. Obviously, right? Like right. you're at home right now. I'm at home right now. Like people, um, you know, have a hybrid or or an all remote um, option, or they've potentially like moved out of state and are working fully remote. So a lot of address changing has been happening. So, and, and frankly, you know, with everything that was like, there was so much movement in the last couple of years of employment, a lot of people have just left their jobs or left the industry and moved to a different industry. So a lot of change happening. Wow. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like yeah. moving to Colorado and working from home there. Exactly, exactly. So um, we've seen kind of a major uptick in that. So, you know, if you have the ability to get access to um, like a national change of address, and if you're in the U.S., which mm -hmm. I think most of the listeners are, um, leveraging that kind of information is really helpful. 
um, in trying to get the proper information. And I, I should, I always like to point this out. I hear from people all the time, well, we don't do direct mail. Yeah. And I'll say, well, do you do like any invoicing or renewal notices by mail? And I realize that's not everybody, but even people who say they don't do direct mail will say like, oh, well, yeah, we do that by mail. Well, so that's still in my mind, right? Like direct, direct mail, you mail. want that right. invoice or that renewal notice to get to your member. So if you're doing anything in print like that, it's important. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. I actually read an article this morning about direct mail and how as outdated as it may seem, it actually does still have a place and is useful for the association of nonprofit space, industry space. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's say that I'm an association, my data has been cleaned, I'm on a regular cadence quarterly, like you mentioned, for the maintenance, but I'm setting up a new membership renewal campaign and I notice that a bunch of duplicate records are in there. Let's say my name is in there five times. Do I just keep one and delete the rest? Like what's the best scenario to handle that situation? Sure. Good, good question. Common, like, right, common, common problem. Um, so the, the way that we do it and everybody does things a little bit differently, but so what we think is a best practice is once you've figured out the duplicate grouping, right? So that's anybody that you think is a, is a duplicate. Um, you're going to want to evaluate things, um, whether that's with a person or a tool. Um, so what we do is uh, to identify what record we're going to keep, right? And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about this, but don't delete them. Um, we identify the record we want to keep, right? The, the one that we're going to merge everything into. We call that the queen record. You'll hear that called the primary record um, a lot of times. So basically what you want to do is look at any other indicators in, in that duplicate group set. Like is, does one of them have a member ID on it versus like others might be prospect data or um, did one of them like recently register for your annual conference 15 days ago or, mm-hmm. you know, re- just renew their membership, right? Like that recency of transaction or is one of the records opening all your emails. And sometimes the answer to that is complicated, right? So like maybe they're, they're opening all the emails on one account, but then like 10 days ago, they just registered for the, you know, annual meeting on the other account. That's going to tell you that there's some good data in different records, right? So you should evaluate that. Now I realize that that is like an, a huge uh, <laughs> time suck if you're going to do something like that manually, because it's going to, you know, cause a lot of research. That's why we automate that type of thing. But you should mm-hmm. do some level, if you're doing it manually, do some level of evaluation to decide what the records you're going to keep is. Um, once you've done that and you've decided like, okay, this is the primary record I'm going to keep and I'm going to merge the other ones into that. Um, we do recommend merging and do not delete them unless you feel very comfortable in deleting them like they don't have any information on them. And the reason I say this is the database structure and, and you know, I'm talking about this as if it's an AMS, right, that right. we're talking about. So um, you want to be careful because you don't want to go deleting things that have historical activities or behaviors attached to them because you're going to orphan those activities by deleting the record, right? So we always recommend that you merge rather than delete, right? So because okay. you'll have that historical information. Now, you'll also hear scenarios and people ask this all the time, like, I have data that has not had any activity on it. I mean, sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes you'll hear people say 10, 15, 20 years. 
Um, and there are some people that want to keep that. And normally there's like a legitimate reason. I would say in most cases, if you want to retain that data, but it hasn't been active in maybe 10 years or whatever the threshold is for your organization, you might want to consider housing that data elsewhere and getting it out of your primary database because it's just bloating it up like by, by moving it into like another external database or putting it somewhere, you're still keeping it. And if you feel like you need it, it's there, it's kind of available to you, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, bloating up your system. You're, you're, you know, if you're using marketing automation, those people aren't getting pulled into anything unnecessarily. Um, there's just a lot of implications when you have that, that really old date, old inactive data in your system. So, um, you know, that's kind of an organizational decision and very specific reasons why sometimes people want to keep that data. But mm-hmm. if it's possible, I'd really encourage you to remove that from your primary database. But if you're doing with duplicates, then definitely merge. What would you consider an account being active? Is it anything? Like even if I open an email, my record should be stay in the active category or if what if I'm just not registering for anything or not really engaging in the newsletter is that a non-active record I mean again that's like so organizationally dependent I would say like for us if you're having some kind of activity like you're opening the occasional email or whatever thing I would say that that's more of like a re-engagement issue right like maybe we're not sending you the right things or communicating with you in the right way but but you're still like having some interaction with us, right? So then at that point, you're going to your membership or your marketing team and saying, okay, maybe let's put these people in a re-engagement campaign. Let's do something different with them. They're signaling to us that they're not that interested, but they clearly exist because every once in a while they pop up, right? Yeah. So for those types of people, I, I, I personally, and again, this is going to be different for every organization. I personally wouldn't take them out, right? But we would treat them more probably in the prospect realm of, of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm more talking about someone that has done nothing, right? And we do hear this all the time. Someone that has done nothing um, for years and years and years, right? There's okay. there's no email activity. There's nothing. They're just kind of poof, you know, out in the ether there. And chances are, right, they, they might not even be in the industry or the profession anymore that your membership serves. So, um, but there is a, a lot of anxiety and I get it because <laughs> I've been one of those people before of deleting anything. And that's why I right. think like, don't think of it as deletion. Think of it as removing them from your primary database and having them there as a security blanket in another database. Should you ever need them? Like I've also heard people say like, well, when we run reports on our annual conference attendance, we want to be able to know, what it was compared to five years ago or 10 years ago. And that's like a legitimate example, but that can still be achieved from having that database in another system. You can move right, that, or excuse me, that data in another, another database. Right. Yeah. Just because you moved, it doesn't mean it's gone forever. Exactly. Well, and I could see the, the scenario too of, you know, if, if I get rid of this data, am I decreasing my numbers and really devaluing what we really have in the membership based? Um, so I can I can see both scenarios, but I just listening to you, I, I agree that, I mean, any inactive data, I mean, that's re- a really good use to to use for your next marketing scheme and, and really get them engaged again. Yeah, so, I mean, and I it's it's funny. I mean, there is that anxiety, like bigger is better, like having more 
like a bigger list, a more robust list, like telling our stakeholders that our, our database is larger and this is going to be really hard. There is so much anxiety around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, you know, the, the quality is more important. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a simple matter of math, right. The, the lower the number, but the higher the engage rate, that's going to balance out. Right. And really show more on your engagement. But I think like, there was like a time in the early 2000s, right? Like where everyone was just like desperate to build these big lists, build these big lists, like the lists have to be big. And so I think a lot of people really got in that mindset. And like now I think there's more and more of a shift towards a focus on list quality, contact quality, engagement scoring that didn't exist before. But I think some of that anxiety is just like deep inside all of us who, you know, started our careers to that time. I think I think it's there for everyone deep down. They just if they if they haven't noticed it yet, it's it's coming their way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that this is a ton of information. I'm actually taking notes um, as we're talking. And something you said about the quality. My immediate thought was quality over quantity, and, and we try to talk about that all the time too because we, I, I, as you know, I mean, as most people listening to this know, is we work with associations and. Um, and their data. So whatever we can do to help in, in that sense is is what we're here for, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I thank you for sharing your knowledge with me and the association industry today. Um, I have no doubt that with this conversation um, that many associations are going to reap the benefits of having clean data. Um, I mean, just be being able to target specific audiences and improve engagement will set any organization up for excess. Um, and that's just one opportunity that clean data can give them. Right. So before we sign off today, because I don't want to take up too much more of your time, do you have any last remarks or feedback that you'd like to share with the, the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think every organization I know, right, regardless, it's associations, corporations, it's everybody, you know, is struggling with keeping their data up to date, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's good to know you're not alone. Um, but the point is that when you think about it, everything that we do relies on data. So it really truly is worth your financial and your mental investment um, to really invest in and understand your data hygiene problems and challenges and, and, and really um you know, spend the time you need to, to take it seriously. It's, it's really at the core of everything you do. So, um, you know, if you have questions, you know, I'm always happy to chat with people about data hygiene. There's a lot of really simple things you can probably start implementing at your organization right away. Um, You know, we, of course, are very like pro automation. We deal with very large data sets, so there's no way we could tackle them manually. But there are things that really anyone can do at any price point, including lots of fun, easy things in Excel um, that you can do to make little steps towards towards improvement. So um, I just encourage you, you know, roll up your sleeves, bring together your, your stakeholders and and spend some time really thinking about what you can do to improve your data today, but more importantly, what you can do to continually improve it, uh, you know, next month, next year, and 10 years, right? So um, I enjoyed talking with you today. Thanks so much. And 
Um, again, you know, if anybody has questions, feel free to, to reach out to me and I'm happy to chat. What would be the, the best way to reach out to you? Sure. Email? Sure. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, uh, you can, uh, find me on LinkedIn, uh, Brittany English Carter. You can, uh, uh, visit us online. We're at bumblebeedata.com or you can shoot me an email, uh, bcarter at columbiabooks.com. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Brittany. Again, I really appreciate your time and, and talking about this topic with us. Um, and we look forward to, hopefully getting everyone into that quality over quantity when it comes to data. Thanks so much.